0: What's up, church family? How are you doing? So excited that you're joining us online. Man, something is, is so profound about us engaging through our uh, computer screens or cell phone screens. I really believe God is using um, this in a powerful way. The fact that you might uh, use your phone to make a phone call to someone, and now you're engaging with the presence of God right where you are. I always get excited to preaching about preaching through our online audience. And today I have a specific, oh God, specific, gotta say that right, (laughs) word just for you. And I can talk, pray for me. Um, It's something I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks. And so um, I'm really excited to share it with you. And I'm going to give you the message title first. Often I read the scripture, but I'm gonna give you the message title first. And the title of this message is called, What Are We? What Are We? If you want to have a subtitle, that is defining the relationship between you and Jesus. What are we? You remember like um, back in the dating days, this was long ago for me. I've been married almost 10 years now. One more month is my 10-year anniversary. You better be clapping in the chat. The average time a pastor stays married, I don't know that stat. Hopefully all of eternity. Um, But 10 years and... Baby, if you're watching, I think we should do minimum another ten. At least. At least. I'm down to do 20. Matter of fact, I'm doing the rest of my life. Let me just remind myself of the covenant that I made with my wife. In uh, fact, somebody saying, shut up, pastor, and preach the word. What are we? Um, you ever hung out with somebody back in your dating days if you're not married, or maybe you're single right now and you went on a date and like someone keeps asking you to go out and someone keeps asking you to hang out or, and you're not sure if they're into you. You're not sure if you're, they're into you. And at some point, like maybe your fifth time hanging out with them, you just want to ask them that question. What are we? Are you interested in me? Do you want to date me? Because they keep hanging out with you, but it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. See where I'm going with this? I think if we're not careful... We can go to church and spend a lot of time in God's presence, spend a lot of time with Jesus, and then he goes, but where are we going? I notice you don't listen to me, or what are we? What is the context of our relationship? I think it's very important for us to understand that the Bible is very clear, and it says this, if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Christ is Lord and Savior. It's giving context to the relationship. It's not saying, hey, if anyone believes that Jesus came as a baby, grew up, and and died for their sins, yes, that it does involve some faith, but what it really is trying to say, hey, let me explain what you need to believe. You can't just believe Jesus exists you have to believe the context in which you're supposed to have a relationship with Jesus, right. that Jesus is my savior and my Lord. I can't save myself, I can't lead myself. I'm already giving you the entire point of this message that if you have a true relationship with Jesus, you can't save yourself, you can't lead yourself. Put that in the chat. I can't save myself, I can't lead myself. Um, Have you ever been, I had a near drowning experience. Um, If you're black, you all have. Like we just, um, I just, I have had many near drowning experiences. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. I wish that I was. It's actually quite embarrassing. Um, uh, My dad has a swimming pool in his home that he's never been in. He's lived there 20 years. My dad's never been in the pool. I don't know what it is about our culture that isn't a big fan of water but I would belong to that cultural narrative. Um, I went snorkeling with white people. Um, My pastors took me snorkeling in the middle of the ocean. I've never been invited snorkeling. If you're offended, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just trying to be honest. I've never been invited snorkeling by a black person. This is what it is. So I'm going snorkeling with my pastors that we still tell the story to this day. And it was in the middle of the ocean. It wasn't like we were, I couldn't see any water. I couldn't see any beach. We took a boat. To the middle of the ocean and they said hey it's shallow here get out and snorkel i i i let them talk me into this i get out of the boat and i'm snorkeling and um i get out and i start to feel i start to panic because we're in the middle of the ocean and i'm like flapping <laughs> it was so embarrassing i'm like flapping and pastor holly goes julian stand up and i stood up and about Five feet of water, and it was not. Um, I was embarrassed. I don't know where I was going with that story, but it was really funny. What was I saying before that? It's great. Can't save yourself. Can't save yourself. I was talking about that, so I'm telling that story uh, <laughs> due to the fact that I'm talking about. Like, imagine if you um, uh, were a lifeguard and someone was drowning, and they went out there. Uh, the lifeguard went out there and. The person who was drowning said, no, I got it. Well, if you had it, you wouldn't be in this situation. And so sometimes Jesus comes to give us grace and we go, no, I got it. Let me just get better at that. Let me, let me, let me save myself by performing. Like, let me save myself by doing. Let me save my... No, you can't save yourself. No matter what you're doing. Um, and one uh, theologian wrote it this way in a book. Um, whether, and they, they literally compared it to an ocean, which is why I brought that story up. Um, No matter if you can swim 100 yards or 1,000 yards, we all drown without grace. Mm -hmm. That is being saved by Jesus. And you can't save yourself and you can't lead yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't lead yourself. If we actually as Christians understood this in our theology and the way we approach God and let everything flow out of the fact you can't save yourself... You can't lead yourself. Jesus came what? Full of grace and truth. Grace, you can't save yourself. Truth, you can't lead yourself. You can't decide what's true, and you can't decide how someone should be saved. And the Bible says when we believe this context about who Jesus is to us, we are saved. So it's not just you believe Jesus exists. You understand the role that Jesus is supposed to play in your life. And I feel like I've had seasons in my life more recently where I'm hanging out with Jesus at church, worship is going off. I mean, can't you just feel God's presence? And maybe Jesus might be saying to me, what are we? We hang out a lot, you're around me a lot, but I'm not sure of the role that I have in your life. And so my point of this whole sermon would be that you would be sure of the role that Jesus has in your life. Not just that he exists, not just that he died, not what you believe about the Bible, but what role does Jesus play in your life? Is he really your Savior and he's really, is he really your Lord? Uh, John 10, 27 says this verse I've been meditating on for two weeks uh, where Jesus is speaking and he says, my sheep know my voice um, or my, the, the NLT says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I, I think out of all the animals in the Bible that Jesus could refer people following him, he uses the word sheep. Um, if you're talking about uh, uh, people as, who are Christians love to align themselves with lions, like I've noticed that. I'm not a sheep. I'm a lion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lion. I don't know. what. That's like a house cat. It's like, it's like a house cat. That was a really bad lion. Don't be a sheep. Be a lion. Um, I don't know if that's true, because nowhere in the Bible uh, does Jesus refer to people as lions. Matter of fact, it says that he, the lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. The lamb of God was slain. So I'm like, wait a minute. So Jesus referred to himself as a sheep. So prior to resurrection, he was a sheep. So he, a sheep was the sacrifice He was resurrected a lion. He died a sheep, resurrected a lion. And so this context of being a sheep is the process that I believe every believer has to go through to be obedient. When Jesus was being obedient to God, he referred to himself as the lamb. And when he had fulfilled that obedience, he was the lion from the tribe of Judah. We don't get to be a lion without being a sheep. Our relationship with our shepherd is supposed to be more like a sheep. And here's the question: If you call yourself a lion too early, there's. I, I think lions might be the only one who, when they get together, it's called a pride. Hmm. That'll preach. Maybe. Maybe this context of wanting to be bold and courageous and strong. Uh, be bold. Be courageous. That's the message going. To, the, to, the, to people in church, but I think before we're bold, we got to be surrendered. Yep. The lamb, the sheep is surrendered. The lion is bold, and God doesn't want a person who's not surrendered to be bold. So what if right now you're feeling this lack of courage because God's not asking you necessarily have courage. You're not getting ready to step in the promised land. You're in the wilderness, and God taught the people in the wilderness to be obedient. But when it was time for Joshua to go in the promised land, he starts speaking boldness. Think about this. Peter, um, he's talking to his disciples and he's saying, my sheep know my voice. But yet when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and when they completed the assignment with Jesus following him, all of a sudden in Acts chapter 2, their sons and their daughters, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, that Peter was bold because he had been with Christ. He had learned how to be a sheep. So now he was able to be bold like a lion, a sheep is surrendered. A lion surrenders to no one. Here's the thing about this. If you look at this context, this will absolutely help your relationship with Jesus thrive. My sheep, listen. Somebody put listen in the chat. So the next line is, I know them. That word, I know them, is a very intimate word. It was the same word Mary used when she said, um, how can I have a baby when I know not a man? She was saying, I, I, I've not been with my husband physically. I don't know him physically. How can I have a baby? So whatever this intimacy word is, it is the same level of intimacy, intimacy with a husband and a wife. But Jesus is saying, I want to be intimate. I know them, but preceded by that is listening. So you ever heard someone saying, hey, I just, I don't feel pastored. The original word for pastor is a shepherd. It's not a pastor, it's a shepherd. I don't feel pastor. Typically what that person is saying, I don't have someone who listens to me. But that's not what he says. A therapist listens to you. A shepherd is someone you listen to. This is already getting good. So often when we say, hey, uh, um, I have this amazing relationship with Jesus. What does that mean? I pray and I talk to God. Can God talk to you and you listen? So sometimes our relationship isn't the prayers that we pray, it is the teaching and direction that we receive. Sometimes our prayer should be, God, is there anything you want me to do that I'm doing differently? Mm -hmm. I've been praying this way recently, um, just real authentic prayers. God, I feel like you haven't answered a few of my prayers. I feel like I've gone 0 for 5. Mm -hmm. If somebody tells me they're sick, I don't even want to pray for you. You're going to stay sick. Like, my prayer life just feels like God's not answering my prayer. And he was like, why don't you ask me what to pray for? That's a prayer life too. Why don't you bring that to me? Hey, is something off? I feel like you're not answering my prayer. Can you tell me what I should be praying for since you didn't answer that prayer? And bringing that authenticity to God where he's now telling me, Julian, I want you to pray for this. I actually got really frustrated with somebody this week that i felt like um, you know made me mad and 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 you know you kind of want to separate yourself from people and i was like lord um you know i'm praying about it i'm like i'm so frustrated i'm so angry and i felt like the lord said you're gonna ask me like what i think and it was this moment of intimate prayer where i said jesus we caught not we call upon heaven we do this lord what do you think and he simply said to me i ate with judas I was like, oh. I invited Judas to dinner. And in that moment, I knew he was telling me, until you are ready to invite Judas to dinner, you really don't know love. And I was a sheep who heard his voice. And I think if we are not humble enough, sheep in the Bible, out of all the animals... That God could have chosen to refer to people as he chose sheep because in that context, sheep represented innocence and purity. And I feel like in order to really have a relationship with Jesus, somebody needs to get their innocence back. You know too much. You know too much heartbreak. You know too much discouragement. You, You know too much about your dreams and what you want. You, you know too much. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans, we should be innocent of what is evil and knowledgeable of what is good. You know too much about vaccines. You know too much about COVID. You know too much about Republicans. You know too much about Democrats. What if what's affecting your intimacy with God is you know too much about what other people have said and you don't know what God is saying? Wow. What if you know so much about what people are saying on Instagram, you don't know what God is saying in his word? What precedes an intimate relationship with Jesus in his presence is an intimate relationship with what he says. Do you listen to what God says like it's God? And here's what I want to tell you: is that you can hear the voice of God through a lot of different ways. And this is going around in our church a lot where people use this phrase, yeah, I'm gonna pray about that, and I'm 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 gonna hear from God. Well, Going in a prayer closet isn't the only way you can hear from God. You can hear from God from a pastor or a leader or a a mentor. Matter of fact, I really believe that most people don't want a pastor. They don't want someone to listen to them. But when Israel was going crazy in the book of Ezekiel, God blamed the shepherds. He didn't blame the people. He blamed the shepherds. And matter of fact, in that same book, it gives a prophecy where if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So God goes after shepherds to get the sheep. And so sometimes we're saying, um, I want to hear from God directly, but sometimes God gives you a person in your life to hear from. And and if you don't listen to that person, then we're not. And I get it. Some people have abused authority, but I'm saying what you need to really focus on, if you want to have an amazing relationship with Jesus, if you want Jesus to never have to say to you, what are we? You need to listen to what Jesus has to say in his word, what Jesus has to say through people, he's called to speak into your life. I think, I, just as a pastor, I'm not Jesus, but I would say that as a pastor, one of the things I've noticed is that people want my time more than my direction. People want my presence, but not my principles. And I really feel like this is a problem in the church. We, don't, we, don't, we want the presence, we don't want the principles. But in the Bible, the principles preceded the presence of God. So Bi- the Bible says that God would say something to the people. They would listen, and the glory would fall. I want you to think about this, that um, one of the times where a fire flashed from heaven and the glory fell on, the Bi- is, is the Bible says, they were giving an offering. And God was so pleased with the offering that the glory filled the temple and they couldn't go in. Can you imagine... Like they were obedient to what God wanted and God's presence manifested in their life. So it wasn't God showed up. God doesn't show up in that way that you would understand without a tangible listening. One of the things I love about our church is whenever you go in our church and you feel that, um, we all know theologically God is there, but whenever you go in our church and you can sense that God is there, somebody in the room is listening to God. It might not be you. But somebody in that room is listening to God. And what I don't want to happen is that you can encounter God in, on a Sunday service because someone else's ears are helping you. Right. This is so good, Brandon. Grant, this is good stuff. This is my vintage stuff. Somebody must have preached this in 1967. So, so, so I don't want people coming to church or watching online and borrowing my ears or barring Brandon's ears, or barring a worship leader's ears. Because the anointing has fallen in a room because God just says, where two or more are gathered, I'm in their midst. So he's saying, if I get two people, where two or more, then it says, and two or more agree, this thing they pray for, I will do. So maybe we're experiencing God's presence at Oasis and online because two people watching online are listening and obeying, Mm -hmm. and you feel the presence of God. But there's going to come in a moment in your life where that other person isn't going to be there. Mm -hmm. And you need to be a sheep who listens to God's voice. John 8, 47 says this, anyone who belongs to God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Not anyone who believes in God. Yeah. Anyone who belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Shush. You know why people don't give? They don't think they belong to God. Wow. And I, I don't, like, I never really preach on, like, like tithing and stuff because I feel like I will, but, I, but, I, but like when we, generosity, the Bible's very clear to be generous. But it's like, it's almost like we, uh, uh, we uh, treat approaching God like we're going through an airport. <laughs> and it's like, let me just take out my wallet before I go into God's presence. Because let me take all the things, let me set aside all the things that I don't want God to have. And then I can go talk to God. You know what I mean? Like, let me just... Let me just leave my girlfriend or my boyfriend that I shouldn't be dating. Let me leave them over here. And they don't go to church with me. But let me approach God. Because I want to make sure he doesn't address the things that I want to hold on to. Because I might have to go in God's presence and leave without something that I came in with. That I wanted to keep. You belong to God. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says you don't have... You belong to God. And we come up with these church phrases that I love church phrases. Church phrases are amazing. You are welcome. I want to pour into you. Where do we get all this stuff? I don't want to pour in anybody. I remember I came to church for the very first time and someone says, I just feel like I'm supposed, I feel led to pour into you. Keep whatever you are pouring to yourself. I want to be poured into. I'm too busy pouring out one for the, for the dead homies. But, but we say this phrase that I've thought about a lot. Oh, you don't have to believe to belong. You absolutely have to believe to belong. You can't belong without believing. You can't feel like you belong to God and you don't even believe. Here at Oasis, you don't have to believe to belong. Yeah, you do. Because the reason why you don't feel like you belong is because you don't believe. Yeah. Oh, wow. What separates us is the presence of God. Wow. And what helps us encounter the presence of God is belief. Wow. So you're not going to ever feel like you belong and you don't believe. Because mm-hmm. you're standing next to someone. Have you ever felt like you belong and someone else is going off in worship? And you're like, why am I not? They believe something. And sometimes maybe they're just, you know, like to sing. But I'm just saying that anyone who belongs to God, the Bible says, listens gladly to the words of God. How you belong to a church is, you. do you listen to your pastor? If not, that makes you a visitor. And I believe that if God is our Father, that without listening, instead of his presence all the time, it becomes visitation rights on weekends like he's divorced from wow. and, and he's saying no if you belong to god then you gladly listen to the words of god but you don't listen because you don't belong yeah. so so belonging to god should produce listening mm-hmm. my sheep listen to my voice proverbs four twenty three. and um you've, you've probably heard this verse guard your heart we always I've, i i will quote this verse at least twice a year Because we always use it for dating verses. Girl, guard your heart. Girl, guard your heart. Like, what does that mean? Like, you don't want something bad to get in. But that verse, guard your heart, is not, the context is not, hey, guard your heart because you don't want this guy to have access to it. That's not what guard your heart means. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 420. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Have you lost sight of what God has said to you? See, when you lose sight of what God has said to you and gain sight of what you don't have, some of you, God has spoken word over your life and you've lost sight of it and you can see that it doesn't seem like it's happening. And so you can see that it doesn't seem like it's happening and you've lost sight of what God has said. Pay attention, keep your sight on what he said. Take your sight off what he has yet to do. Get, don't look at that. Don't look at what he's not doing. Look at what he said. Pay attention to what he said. Don't lose sight of what? The words. Oftentimes, we try to not lose sight of the promise. We try to not lose sight of the destiny. We try to not lose sight of the dream. Don't give up on your dream. No, don't lose sight of what God said. If God did not say that dream, lose sight of it. Don't lose sight of what he said. Watch this. Let those words penetrate deep in your heart. So then when you come into God's presence or when you come to God, you're not guarding. If you don't know what God is saying, then you need to have an open heart. You don't need to guard your heart until you know what God is saying. Because what is the process? Open your heart. Pay attention to what God has said. Listen carefully to my words. A hard heart, a broken heart, an immature heart cannot be open. Wow. So then that's why we need mature people who are opening their heart. Then it says, let my words penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. If, Oh, my God. <laughs> and then guard it. Do you ever see a security guard in front of an abandoned bank? No. There's no money in it. Yeah. They're not guarding the building. They're guarding what's in the building. Uh-huh. If you have the wrong thing in your heart, don't guard your heart. Open your heart. Let all that stuff get out in connect groups. Let all that stuff get out in transparency. Let all that stuff get out in vulnerability. And then let the word of the Lord penetrate your heart. Oh. Some people are guarding a heart that has the enemy's words in it. See, see, when he's saying, listen to my voice, he's saying there's an intimacy with the words. And this is why, and I've said this a thousand times too, but I'm going to say it again. You got to be careful calling yourself a processor. Because sometimes you're being intimate with a lie. Mm, it's good. If you're processing, I love Olivia, you're processing a lie. No, don't process a lie. Yeah. Don't process a lie. Wow. Because a lie needs processing in belief in order to harm you. Wow. You have to meditate on it. Wow. You're processing a lie. Oh my God. So if I told you that my great ancestors were from Zimbabwe, would you be like, I don't know. You wouldn't process it all. You would just believe it right away. But if I told you my great ancestors were from Korea, you'd go, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's nothing. There's nothing about me that looks, you would not believe that for a second. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. There's nothing about me that looks like that's where I came from. And so you, lies need to be believed. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying is now when you guard your heart, then now when you hear something that's the opposite of what's penetrated deep in your heart, you guard your heart against that. No, that is not what God said about me. That is not what God said about my calling. That is not what God said about them. That is not what God said. So many times, if I'm in a disagreement with my wife, I have to guard my heart against what my wife is doing because I'm protecting what God has said about my wife. Wow. So you're guarding your heart. You're guarding prophecy. Dang, this is good. I wish if I had one gift and one talent, it would be to teach people how to guard their prophecies. You can't have your, I'm going to say something like my grandpa, you can't have your prophecies in your heart. You can't have your heart out all willy-nilly and your prophecy. Some of y'all got leaking prophecies. You have a prophecy leak in your heart. And you're trying to like, fill all these holes, you know, like that, that visual of filling You have a prophecy leak in your heart. That's why you're so discouraged. That's why this two years has been so hard. That's why, and I'm not saying there hasn't been challenges, but some of those challenges are not coming from the challenges. They're coming from the prophecy leak that's in your heart. You're not guarding what God has said in your heart. And the Bible says people are so bad at this in Ezekiel, he said that he had to give them a new heart, one that was a tender heart that was able to respond to what God said. It says, I'm going to give them a tender and responsive heart. So for some Christians, you need a heart transplant. Why? Because your heart has the, not, doesn't have the capacity anymore to contain the word of the Lord. So God has to have a supernatural, give you a new heart. That's what salvation is. And that's what you want to guard. It also says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. If you don't hear the word of God, you can't have faith. If God's not speaking to you, you can't even have faith. And I really think that I'm harping on this first part of this verse a lot because I feel like God is saying to me personally, and this might not be you, Julian, you have so many people listening to you that sometimes you, when you feel less than, you look for an audience of someone to listen to you because when people are listening to you, it validates you. You're, you're looking for an audience, even if it's just one person. But when you listen to me, I need you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. I need you to be a sheep. I need you to be a sheep. I need you to be, know my voice so much that you can tell the difference. In, in, in other versions, I don't have the time to read the whole thing. He says, in another voice, they will not follow. Mm-hmm. So it's not just knowing Jesus' voice. I know that ain't Jesus. Yeah that ain't Jesus, we got so many people out there going like, um, I'm just struggling with my relationship with Jesus because I've been hurt by a pastor. If you knew Jesus, you could say, that ain't Jesus. Mm. That ain't the voice of my Savior. That ain't the voice of my Lord. I'm going to keep following Jesus. I'm not going to, and I don't serve a God who would tell me that he doesn't love the church. Mm. I can't love Jesus and not love the church. I can't love the church and not love Jesus. It's not possible. No woman would, if you love the church and you don't love Jesus, some of us, we get called up in church. Church, 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 church. There's not a woman, church is the body of Christ. There's not a woman you know that doesn't want to be looked at in the eyes. So as a leader, if I focus too much on the body, Oh, this is so good. The Bible says that with unveiled faces, we see and behold Christ. And if I'm not careful as a pastor, I can look so much at Christ's body. I don't look Christ at the face. He would go, hey, look up. Look me in the eye. I find that to be disrespectful. Or it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus is, you just walking around all grotesque and Jesus ain't got no body attached to it. Like, no, you can't love one without the other. It's impossible. And so my point is, what I'm trying to encourage you in is simply this, so many times we can look for an audience and we wanna be heard. I just feel so heard. I just feel so heard. And, and forgive me if you've said that to somebody. I'm just, I'm not trying to, I do believe people need to feel heard. What I'm challenging is this narrative that we should want Jesus to say, I just feel so hurt." I don't wanna feel hurt. I want Jesus to feel hurt. I don't want you to feel hurt. I want the Holy Spirit to feel hurt, because if the Holy Spirit feels heard and then you are starting to say what the Holy Spirit wants you to say, then I want you to feel hurt. But if you're saying what the devil wants you to say, we cannot sit around and listen to people, condemn themselves and then say, "Thank you for sharing." I just don't feel like I'm good enough. Thank you for being vulnerable. No, the devil is a lie. That is the mouth. Jesus told Peter when Peter was expressing himself, get behind me, Satan. You better get out of here with that. You can't words create. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you're not careful, you're heard. Then I have a job on Sunday pastoring you through the situation you created with your mouth. This, this, this. So I wish before you got to me on Sunday that somebody would have said to you, don't say that. Wow. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 1, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. No, no, no. Don't say that, God told him. So what I'm trying to challenge you is that when you focus on being heard by God and being heard by people, sometimes you miss what God is saying. In this season, set aside feeling hurt. I never feel hurt. I never feel hurt. Set aside wanting Jesus to be hurt, just for a season. Stop rambling to people about everything you're going through and expecting people to show that they care for you by listening to that. And if you do tell people what you're going through, say this word, make sure that you don't let me say anything that God does not want me to say. I'm getting ready to tell you exactly how I feel, but I give you permission to recorrect me, change me, direct me. I want to be a sheep. One of the things about sheep is that they don't talk. They're so easy to lead. They're so easy to lead. And I'm saying that we have to go into this next season with such a level of humility that we don't ramble to God about what we want, want, but we sit in his stillness and say, Lord, speak to me, tell me. And you can even start with this practical prayer. Maybe even right now, someone needs to close their eyes. Lord, show me where I have gotten it wrong. Am I praying the right thing? Am I believing the right thing? speak to me. Your servant is listening. I just feel like that type of humility in prayer is going to change um, the context of our church. Mm -hmm. And so now that we have really uh, over-preached listening, (laughs) God's like, I know them. I know them. I'm intimate with them. God knows. God knows you. And I feel like God loves you the way that you are. You need to hear that. And that is our way of helping. Sometimes I feel the pressure because, you know, so many people have had a bad experience in church or from church leaders. Sometimes we feel the pressure to be a PR person for Jesus. So we say things like, God loves you the way that you are. But if you are a sheep, a real shepherd loves the sheep the way that they are. But when Jesus loves you the way that you are, he also has to love you wherever you are. That means you get left in the place that your ways have brought you to. He doesn't, he leads you to green pastures. He leads you to still waters. So the listening gets you out of the place that your lack of listening has left you in. You know, you ever, people go to church and, and they say, man, just relax, just relax, Fine. Well, relaxing about God, being lackadaisical about God is maybe what got you here. If you need to be more serious, sometimes we need to say, y'all need to get serious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, listen, it's going down. Your blessing is coming. It is not the time to chill out. It's not time to kick your feet up. It's not the time. You got to go in. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes we need to like, come on, let's go. And Bible says that we can bring these different things that we have to God because God knows us and he loves you just the way you are, but he's going to lead you out of that situation. And he needs to know that you're going to listen. So it ends with, they follow me. I know them, by the way, is one of the most intimate things. I know them. I want you to fathom that right now. I don't want to move past that too quickly. I do have to close. I mean, I have to, I should. (laughs) But I want you to put... Your name in it. There's four people in this room. I just want you to fathom that. Where Jesus is going, oh, I know Colton. I know. I know. I know Olivia. I know. That means you're not going to tell me anything different. You're not going to tell me any different. I know them. I know Brandon. I know Grant. Like, I kind of know them. I know everything about them. I I know them. So I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. I know you better than your mom knows you. I know you better than your dad knows you. I know you. Like, I really know you. Like, and I want to know you. He says, they follow me. So, So you notice that there is zero clarity in this verse? He didn't say, and they follow me. To the most amazing dreamland ever. <laughs> nope. They listen. I know them. They follow me. What are we? We're sheep. We're sheep who listen. We're known, and we follow. You ever seen a sheep with a shepherd? Have you ever look up videos? The sheep isn't like. So where are we going? It is, you practically lead a sheep off of a cliff. They listen, I know them, they follow me. In that context, there would be other shepherds with other sheep mixed in and how they separated the sheep from the rest of the sheep was by talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, thousands and thousands of sheep and the shepherd would stand there and talk and the sheep would scatter to their own shepherd. My sheep know my voice, I know them, and they follow me. But it doesn't say where they're going. If you look at Hebrews 11, it says Abraham, by faith, who did not know where he was going, got up and left when God said go. God said go. Our uh, vision for 2022, and I don't know why I'm saying this because I just feel like I'm supposed to, hopefully it doesn't change. You know, pastors always make that excuse. God changed my message. No, you weren't prepared. (laughs) Oh, I changed my message. Um, but I, I feel this thing in my heart. Our vision for 2022 is the attitude of Christ. But I feel like simply enough, the vision for 2023 is go. It's go. Where? When Jesus is leading us. So I'm trying to establish this year is about how to define our relationship with Jesus, to be led, to have spiritual formation, to be discipled, because then we can just go. Where? Anywhere that Jesus goes. Like he's anywhere he goes. They follow me. Mm -hmm. And here's what was crazy is that Jesus didn't look, rabbis didn't look up. They went where they were going and it was the disciples' job to keep up. Mm -hmm. Think about this. And so I really feel that God is getting ready to ask someone to go into something without, there is no clarity. Go where? Um, Follow me. Where? Follow me. Where? Follow me. Where? Follow me. Wow. And, matter of fact, some of you are, are walking in the greatest season of blessing in your life right now, so God can ask you to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Jesus filled a net with fish and then said, Follow me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Peter was fishing, didn't catch anything. And the Bible says, Peter said, Jesus said, didn't say, follow me. He said, put your net on the other side. And the Bible says, Peter caught so much fish, his net was getting ready to break. And Peter recognized he was sinful through the blessing, not through the lack, and walked away from the blessing to follow the blesser. This is good stuff. So sometimes Jesus is getting ready to bless you, to test you. He's asked you to step away from it. Yeah. To go where? Where? Tell us where, Pastor Julian. Clarity without the presence of God is demonic. Yikes. Clarity without the presence of God is demonic. Uh, let me just, I gotta go here. Adam and Eve. What did God say? Let us make man in our image that they may be like us. Did God ever say that to Adam and Eve in scripture? You can't find anywhere where God said that to Adam and Eve. He said a bunch of stuff to them, but he didn't go, hey, you know, I made you in my image so that you may be like me. My picture of this, and I can't prove it, but I can prove that God never said that to Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. So they didn't have any clarity. He gave them some responsibilities, but they were birthed with that desire to be like God because he had made them in the image of God. So they were birthed with the desire, but did not have the clarity. And who gave it to them? Uh-oh. The devil gave it to them. The yeah. Bible says the devil took on a form of a serpent and said, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they said, God said, we can't eat that or we'll die. That's all the clarity that they had. And he said, God knows you'll be like him, knowing the good difference between good and evil. Let me give you some clarity. You need to be like God. And they go, Oh, now I'm clear if I eat that, I'm gonna be like God. And the clarity came from the enemy. And it was a season where God didn't want them to have that clarity. He wanted them to trust. Trust and faith. What Pastor Philip talked about last time, faith is when you trust God for... Faith is when you believe God for something good he's going to do, but you don't manipulate it. I think trust is often when you believe God for something he doesn't, you don't want him to do, and he's doing it anyway. Mm. I don't want to go through this breakup, breakup. Trust God. I don't want to date this person. Trust God. Come on, I'm preaching to some single people right now. <laughs> Better trust the Lord. Uh-huh. And so I say that to say, and I'm going to close with this. I believe that there are some people right now that actually in our church, I know there are because the presence of God is too tangible in our church. It's tangible online. You're listening to God and God knows you, but you're trying to get some clarity from the devil in this season. And God never left him, but he closed the promise he, he closed it. He closed the garden. The Bible says, par- look at your heading in the chapter. When clo- he closed the garden, the heading in your Bible says, paradise lost. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, the lack of following God because they wanted clarity didn't end their relationship with God. It closed the place that God had had for them and prepared for them. The heading in Genesis chapter 3 says, paradise lost. They were supposed to follow God and trust God in paradise. Later, and I, we're going to close with this, and um, um, they're going to probably put uh, keys in post right here. <laughs> um, but a man would be on G- with Jesus next to the cross, and uh, this man had lived his life not very good, and... Uh, He said, why are you doing this? I'm paraphrasing. Why are you doing this terrible thing to this man? He's done nothing wrong. We deserve this. He doesn't. And then he has the audacity to turn to Jesus and say, will you remember me? And this is the only time that I have found this word in the New Testament. Jesus says, truly, I tell you this day, you will be with me in paradise. And for years, I used to think that that meant heaven. But that word paradise in the Greek is translated garden. The garden's back open to you is what he said to him. So when Christ died, the garden is back open. The place where God's presence is so tangible. The Bible says rivers that were filled with gold flowed through that garden. And I think that we want to be in a place with gold even though the garden's closed. And that's demonic clarity a place where God is manifesting his presence and his goodness to us like we've never seen before. There was plenty of resources there, gold, food, everything that they would have needed. And so God is saying, when I died, if you listen to me and you know them, we can go to a place that has that level of intimacy because God gave that to a lifelong criminal. Mm -hmm. And if you make that your number one goal in this next season, that you could clearly define your relationship with Jesus, that he would never say, what are we? No, no you, I know what we are. You're my Lord and you're my Savior. I can't save myself. I can't lead myself. I'm your sheep. You know me. I follow you. God's going to do something crazy in your life. Father, I thank you so much for um, your people. Father, I pray. I just feel this so strongly that someone has been listening to God. They feel known by God, but they're not following him. They're wanting clarity before they say yes. They're wanting you to make it clear before they say yes you're just saying, just follow me. Thomas said, I don't know where you're going. Jesus said, you know the way. No, you know the way. The way is behind me. And I believe unbelief says, yeah, but I don't know how far you're going to go or where you're going to take me. So let me just, let me stop you and ask some questions. No, Jesus is just saying, will you follow me? Will you follow me? I really believe this final part of this verse, that people are following you, not pursuing their dreams, not pursuing their stuff, following you and are trusting you as they're obedient and listen to your voice, that you'll lead them to this place that is as intimate as Adam and Eve were in the garden. And through there, all provision flows. Father, I thank you that you're doing that in somebody's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you so much. It's going to be a great final month of the year. Um, I know we got a lot of travel and things happening, but make this commitment. Um, Watch this, catch up on sermons on the plane, in the airport. Um, Man, do what God's called you to do. I really believe that this uh, time is going to be important. We don't want to miss anything that God would have to say to our community. Love you so much, and I'll see you soon.